0: Now, Scotland's Talkin'. Call 0333 2020 401 and join the debate.
1: Hello, good morning. Welcome to this week's edition of Scotland's Talkin'. I'm Ali Bally. On the programme today... Is the Education Secretary turning his back on democracy by vowing to continue with primary one testing despite a defeat at Holyrood? The government remains absolutely committed to standardised assessment. We believe it's an integral part
2: of the educational improvement agenda.
1: Or do you think it's more about political opportunism than a concern for children's education? And if you're wondering what's the fuss all about, our political correspondent Alan Smith has taken the test.
0: Hello. Hello. My name is Alison. Please watch and listen. Look at the picture. Choose how many balls there are.
1: Also coming up before midday, how would you like to get your hands on a speed gun? They're recruiting volunteers for a community speed watch scheme in Edinburgh. But not everyone's convinced it's going to work. I expect there's some drivers who will quite quickly become accustomed to it and
3: pretty much ignore the people at the side of the road.
1: And I'd like you to tell me how you've been coping if you live in one of the many places now across Scotland left without a local bank. And as the country recovers from the battering by Storm Alley, are you one of these people who thinks we've got too many wind farms?
4: Most of us appreciate the importance of understanding climate change, but there is a time when too much development will have a really negative effect.
1: Or was that fierce autumn storm a sign that we need more of them? Just some of the subjects we'll be talking about this morning between now and 12 midday. The phone lines are now open if you'd like to contribute and join us. It's 0333 2020 401. It's only a local rate to call us, but some phone providers may apply further charges. Now, it's something that's proving to be one of the toughest tests yet for the SNP government. It's all about tests. Opposition parties are piling the pressure on over-standardised assessments, saying they should be scrapped for primary one pupils. There are claims young children are being left in tears and distressed. Teachers say it's proving to be too much additional work and not worth their while. And it's something our political correspondent Alan Smith's been taking a much closer look at.
5: Well, this has been something rumbling on now for the past year since these assessments were introduced. And with steam building over the summer, it came to head this week with MSPs getting the chance to vote on the use of these tests in primary one. They were introduced to gauge how youngsters are progressing at various stages throughout their school lives. But critics say there's no value in having four and five-year-olds do them. There's been lots of feedback from parents and teachers with headlines centering on claims of youngsters being left distressed or in tears because of them. So this week, I, along with lots of other journalists, was given the chance to have a go and here's a little taste of how I got on. This
6: is the practice assessment for P1 numeracy, uh, which is broadly, the questions are broadly similar to what the the student will encounter during the real assessment, but it's just to kind of give them an understanding of the the practicalities and process of it.
7: Hello, my name is Alison. Please watch and listen as I explain how this programme works. Any time you click on that, you'll be able to get a... ...read out instructions for you.
5: Alison will helpfully read out any questions for us.
7: When the instruction says choose, it means tap on the screen or click with the mouse to show your answer.
6: So here's a kind of typical multiple choice question.
0: Choose the dog.
6: Now if you've got a question like this,
0: look at the picture, choose how many balls there are.
6: Then you can also get the possible answers read out to you as well. Ten. So how
5: many questions would there be in...? In the real assessment, around 30. Around 30 questions. So it was all very straightforward and no tears from me. But then again, while I might look youthful, I'm not exactly four or five years old. As you heard, it was all done on computer, iPad or laptop and youngsters are guided through them by their teachers. After the assessment's done, you don't get to see the results immediately. Uh, in fact, the pupils never get to see what they got right or wrong. It's not a high-stakes test, i.e. you're not given a pass or a fail. It gives teachers a breakdown of where the child is doing well and perhaps where they need to improve The Education Secretary says this helps back up and guide what teachers are doing. But critics say it doesn't add to anything a teacher doesn't already know at the youngest level. So therefore it's a waste of teachers' time. And this is where most complaints come from. And This is just a flavour of what oppositions had to say about them this week. He's not been able to persuade parents. He's not been able to persuade teachers. Scotland's largest teaching union is calling for a boycott of these tests. He's not been able to persuade the education experts that are on his own panel of expert advisors. This policy is currently dead in the water. The truth
3: is that a room full of journalists or MSPs is nothing like trying to carry out these tests in a classroom of four and five year olds. And it's not The professional judgment of journalists or MSPs that really matters here, it's the professional judgment of experienced teachers who've told us that they believe these tests are of little or no
1: educational value.
5: And we had a debate in Holyrood this week. It was an opposition day debate and vote, so it wasn't binding, meaning it wasn't going to force a change in policy. John Swinney says it was unnecessary and accused the Tories of hypocrisy by bringing the debate to the chamber in the first place.
2: Last week the Conservatives were demanding more school data, this week they want less. In 2016 the Conservatives supported P1 assessment, today they don't. There is only one conclusion to draw, the Conservatives are are playing politics with the education of our children and we will not play along with them.
0: I recognize Mr Swinney that we made a mistake about primary one but can I just say to the SNP this coming from a party that in two programmes for government, 2016 and 2017, who hammered home that there would be an education reform bill yeah. is a bit rich.
5: Tory MSP Liz Smith responding to Mr Swinney there. She led the debate and made the case for the test to be scrapped for the youngest pupils. In the end, she won Parliament's backing. The result of the vote on motion 13945 in the name of Liz Smith is yes, 63, no, 61. There were no abstentions. The motion is therefore agreed. And the debate carried on into the next day, into First Minister's questions, where Scottish Labour leader Richard Leonard called for Nicola Sturgeon to respect the will of Parliament.
7: We have a First Minister who talks a lot about the will of Parliament when it is in the interests of her party. I hope that the First Minister will listen to the will of Parliament when it is in the interests of Scotland's children.
8: Well, let us focus for just a moment, shall we, on the will of the people in an election. In the 2016 election, to this parliament, two-thirds of voters who voted in that election voted for manifestos that contained a commitment to standardised assessment in primary one.
5: Now, following this week's vote, John Swinney called for primary schools to carry on with the assessments as normal. But that hasn't stopped some councils signalling their intent to stop testing primary one pupils. Aberdeen City Council came out on Thursday night saying they want to halt the assessments. Other local authorities say they'll now discuss their options. The Education Secretary insists this is all premature and has told me he'll be speaking to councils before returning to the Scottish Parliament to make a statement on the issue in the coming weeks. But with pressure building, it would seem the only thing really being tested right now is the Scottish Government's resolve to hold on to the assessments for primary one pupils.
1: Our political correspondent Alan Smith reporting there on the whole assessment situation. Uh, We did invite the Education Secretary, uh, Secretary John Swinney, to uh, join us on the programme today. I was keen for him to take calls from parents who are for or for against, get the views of what's happening um, across Scotland from parents. But uh, that invitation to join us on the programme this morning was declined. So uh, we, we ask you now, 0333-2020-401, 0333-2020-401, that's the phone number. I'm looking for your views on this because it is like a political football. You know, they're, they're shouting at each other across the chamber and, you know, any four or five-year-olds watching that behaviour in Parliament sometimes uh, wouldn't learn very much. But are you a parent of a four or five-year-old? Have we any parents out there who can come on and say to us, yes, my son or my daughter... Or my granddaughter, niece, whatever, was brought down to tears? Because this one that, you know, children have been in tears and have been very upset. Have they really? Or is this just something that's found its way into the media headlines? If you, you know, or, or have again, have your um, uh, wee ones in that age group actually sat the test like Alan Smith did? And, and did they even know they were sitting a test? It sounded like a game to me. You know, and it seems as though it it was put over as a game, but it's still giving information to teachers. But if parents are against it and teachers are against it, why is the SNP government keeping going with it? Give us a call if you'd like to comment, O 20 Three Twenty Twenty Four O One. That's the number. You can text your comments. Uh, the text line is 61054. Start your message by putting Ali first and then your message, please, because that gets straight through to me then. And on emails, we're on Ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk. Joseph's on the line. Good morning, Joseph. Good morning, Ali. Your thoughts then? We've talked about testing, is that what you want to talk about?
9: Yes, Ali. Okay, go for it. I was actually watching it, Ali, and I was so disgusted by it. This this is the same woman in the Parliament, it shouts at Westminster for democracy and all that. And the same parliament here is turned against democracy. The parliament vote is a parliament and votes to stand, Ali. And I don't understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She turned against it. Like, she, how can she turn against a democratic vote, Ali? It's supposed to stand.
1: You're talking about Nicola Sturgeon, are you? Yes, because, but, uh, yeah, she, right, okay. she didn't accept it. She didn't accept it. No, they're not accepting because it's not binding.
9: Yeah, but the point, the point about it, Ali, there's going to be a lot of conflict through this. If my kids come home crying, where do you go to? You go to the school and blame the teachers. She's causing a problem now with, maybe with parents and teachers in schools now. Because but, you, of this. but Joseph, you heard
1: the test being taken there by yeah. Alan Smith. Do you really think that wee ones are going to come home crying? I mean, they're not told... They're no, going I'm, to, say,
9: I'm, not, I'm not saying... Don't, going I just, to, I just find
1: this hard to believe. I just think, you know, kids of that age are, are, would be quite happy to sit back and, and take part in something that looks like a game.
9: Yeah, but I'm saying, but they don't want to kick a like, football back and for it because the the democracy parliament is it, is causing the problem.
1: Oh no, I agree. I agree. I, 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 I'm with you on that. I think it has become just a political football between the uh, the the political
9: parties. Yeah, I mean, and the kids shouldn't kid should be involved yeah, in that alley. Yeah, yep. Let them let them go to school and learn their of, of the problems and learn all the thing. Don't involve them in their political carry on. You mm. know.
1: Yeah, well, it is a political carry-on, not just with the, the SNP, but, you know, the Tories changed their mind on it. You know, <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it, I, I find it astonishing that this is what we seem to be spending our time on. First, um, it was
9: independence. Now, this has been carrying on for a long time and know, and they just don't seem to be getting anywhere. And they're, they're causing problems all the time. Why don't they just all get together and say, right, we voted against it, that's it, finished.
1: All get together, that, yeah. that would be... Something different, wouldn't it? Yeah. At- actually, all parties in Scotland getting together for the good of Scotland. Now there's something unusual, isn't it? Yeah. That would be a surprise. Yes, right. Certainly. Okay, Joseph, thank you very much indeed. Um, if you've got something to say on the primary one testing, then love to hear from you, of course. As always.
9: Scotland's talking the podcast
1: talking at the moment uh, about the primary one testing and uh, the the whole situation in Holyrood this week. Alison's with us. Alison, good morning. Good morning, Ali. Good morning to you. How are you this morning? then? Oh,
8: it's absolutely beautiful day. Beautiful day.
1: Makes a change from Sun's the Sun's shining yes, and the washing's yes. out. Can the life get any better? <laughs> Great. <laughs> so what's your thoughts on these tests then? I've just... Um, see, when people are saying it's tests,
8: why don't they work it as an assessment? Every child has to be assessed so that they get the level that the child is at so that they can encourage and motivate. Now, you only have to walk around a supermarket nowadays and there's parents sitting there. What do they do to shut their kids up? They give them a mobile phone. Kids at three and four are more adept at using a mobile phone than a lot of adults are. So this assessment isn't really that bad. The folk, that person that was on before, I think he should have sat his P5 assessment because he would have probably failed. In because
1: what way? I, it's, listen, the programme's all about opinions. That was his opinion. You've got that your, was his, that's you've his got opinion,
8: and, and he's entitled to it. Correct. But there's too many people out there trying to politically score... Are not a bridge, this is about the children this is about the future of the children of Scotland and we have to teach them, the sad fact is that how many parents are out there that actually sit at night and sit at the table and talk to their kids, everybody, you go into a restaurant, all the parents and the kids are all sitting there on their mobile phones nobody communicates with one another the kids' language skills are suffering because of the technology that's available to them how many kids actually read a night-night story? How many kids actually read a book and said, I mean, I did it with mine. You sit there at night and last thing at night, wind down time, let's pick a book. What story are we going to get tonight? They learn about the words. They learn about the language. They learn about the pictures. Kids nowadays aren't getting that. They're going to school and they don't know words. They can't communicate properly because they've just been given a mobile phone to sit and play with and get out their parents' hair. That's,
1: that's how I feel. That's how you feel. That's what I'm saying. It's all about opinions. I don't that's it. Don't necessarily agree with you when you say that every parent is sitting with tablets. The, minority, the no, majority. I no, don't, I don't agree. I don't agree. The minority. The minority, Alison. No, No, Ali.
8: No. When was the last time you went into McDonald's and uh, you sat there and you looked at the parents and the kids are all sitting there. I mean, it's they're all sitting there on their mobile phones. Nobody communicates. Nobody interacts. I,
1: I, I, fe- I hear what you're saying. I would rephrase it by saying probably not enough parents, young parents in particular, uh, don't react, you know, and don't interact with their, their kids. I mean, uh, when you're walking down the street or driving down the street and you pass somebody pushing a buggy, more than likely that mum will be on a phone. Exactly. And paying no attention and no conversation to the child that's in the buggy or the pram.
8: Which it,
1: is why this assessment is essential. To four-year-olds, to, to five-year-olds. Four five some, some countries don't start their kids in school till they're seven. But for goodness sake, if we did that, all you would hear is, well, that means, he, I, you know, I, I've got to go to work. It's like teachers are babysitters. Mm-hmm. You know, it's exactly. let's, let's get rid of the kids People and put them are putting to
8: too much. People are putting far too much on the teachers. Teachers are supposed to teach their kids teach kids manners. and All these old-fashioned essential things are going right out the window. Nobody says, pass me the salt, please, or hold the door open. But yeah. that's diversifying from the subject. Kids need to have interaction and they have to have a ground level that this is what level you're at, this is your level of understanding and then the teachers can work from that. The teachers can then send extra books home and are the parents going to sit and spend the time trying to get their kids up to speed? I doubt it very much.
1: Okay Alison, thank you very much. There's Alison's views, do you agree with her? She's saying that the majority today of today's young parents do not interact with their children. And therefore, the they they have to do this at school, these assessments for four and five-year-olds. Your thoughts? Oh 3 202401. You can text Ali at 61054. Then Ali, then your thoughts or email Ali at the dot uk. Uh, good morning about the testing of pre-1 children. The SNP are being told by teachers that they don't agree with the testing of children of such a young age. Surely, they should be listened to and not made to feel they are being demeaned. After all, the teachers are there in the best interests of the children. Okay, thanks, Liz, for that comment. So, is it's that age just too young? Here's another one from John. He says... Um, I agree with uh, your your caller earlier on who saying that the Scottish government should pay attention to democracy. It's just a case now of this is a Scottish national government, no matter who they are, Scottish national party governments who have been in, po- in power for too long and think they are irreplaceable. Oh, right. OK. Is that the case? They're just ignoring public opinion because they can. Your thoughts? Okay, um, got another one here. Oh, got another Alison. Okay, right. Alison number two. Hello.
10: That's. Uh, I. I'm in full agreement with that lady.
1: Right. Okay. Why is that, Alison?
10: Uh, well, I'm eight to, uh, next month, and I grew up in manners. And these mobile phones, and you know, even when you go out for a meal, they've got the mobile phones there, and there is no no conversation whatsoever. I mean, agreement with that woman. I think that a very good thing. Because it'll pick up the ones that are slower, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. But do you not think four-year-olds too young? No. No?
10: No, I think some... You, you can't base a four-year-old... You're, they're not all the same.
1: Right, right. But
10: so... some are quick on, more on the uptake, quicker on the uptake than others.
1: Aye, uh, that's very true. I just think that um, mm. maybe up to five or even six kids should mm. be enjoying their life, you know, not right into it, four-year-olds getting tests or you assessments what, or d- whatever. No, I don't
10: think the tests are all that
1: severe.
10: Mm -hmm. I've watched it on the television, you know, showing you what, and if to pick the biggest tree, and, you know, I I just see it on the telly, and I think it's a good thing.
0: So So not,
1: uh, not some, uh, well, when I heard Alan Smith, (laughs) our political correspondent, taking it, I thought to myself, it seems more like a game. It would be, you know, to a four-year-old or a five-year-old.
10: I don't know. Uh, but I do know about these mobile. you know, the, 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 it's terrible. There is no, com- the same communication. <clears throat> I know I'm older, but we used to all uh, sit at the table and had our meals together and the conversation was there. Nowadays the young ones just come in, take, they even take the food into their rooms and you know there's no family, the same family.
1: Family time. Yeah. No, there
10: isn't. Yeah. I, I'm, you know?
1: Okay, Alison, thank you for your uh, comments and uh, happy birthday when it comes along next month. George, good morning. Good morning, Ali. Your thoughts, George?
2: Um, Ali, this is... I'm a parent... Well, my my son's well away from primary school now. um, But I am in agreement with the assessments and I'll explain to you why. I think it's important, uh, regardless of the type of assessment that we have them, Uh, what concerns me slightly is that In opposing this particular policy, the opposition parties and apparently teachers, will any of them please provide for me and the parents who are not sure what they would like to have in its place if they don't want this particular assessment done Mm -hmm. or any assessment of children at this young age?
1: Right. Um, so, if, if they wanted nothing, then there would be nothing in their place. And would children not allowed to an be children? Madness. Really? Uh,
2: Ali, no matter what way we do this, the teaching profession and I have a tremendous respect for them. They have to know how the kids are progressing. Um, parents have to know this as well. As far as this particular assessment of test, regardless of what title you want to call it. I think it's important that the parents are given the information in order that they can also work with their kids to improve their education.
1: Well, I think parents should be taken note of at some times, but equally so, you know. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, it's, well, let them do this at school. Let them let the teachers watch out for this. And I think sometimes there's just a bit too much responsibility passed on to teachers.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I would have to agree with that in as much that when any parent sends their kid down the road to school or whatever, there is this sort of long-held entitlement that they're sending their kids off to a babysitter. mm Um, And I don't think that's the case. I mean, yes, there must be discipline. Yes, there must be assessments. But surely these assessments and the information derived from these assessments should be given to the parents in order that they can work constructively with the teachers to the betterment of their kids.
1: But on taking the views of the last couple of callers, they would probably say that a lot of parents wouldn't be interested in hearing. They just want to pack, as you say, pack the kids off to school and you know, they go off to do their thing and then if the teachers are off or have a holiday or whatever, that's just an inconvenience to them.
2: I think in in many respects, they're probably right. And to be honest with you, I don't have the answer. I wish
1: I did have the Mm. answer, but probably worth a couple of Um, (laughs) quid. You'd be a politician. They've got the the answers to everything, but don't solve (laughs) anything. No, no, no. But that's my
2: two shillings worth on the subject anyway.
1: George, thank you very much indeed for calling in. Thank you. Here's one from Norma. She says, assessments, some teachers are against it and some parents are against it. Most teachers are for it and most parents are for it. And up until the SNP tried to introduce it as standard, Ruth Davison was demanding that the SNP did this and actually on video with her demands. Now she's changed her mind. So... Uh, Have we got another couple? Yeah, there's another couple of comments coming in. Um, As far as kids are concerned, I think the word test was not used. I think it makes anyone frightened. Uh, Use game for them. That's from a gran. Thank you. Uh, I I agree with you there. Please keep your calls coming in on the primary one testing. Because we move on to a different subject, doesn't mean that we won't take calls on what we've been talking about. You know, so if you're not able to jump on the phone right now, but you can in 15 minutes, then that's okay. Do that. But I like to introduce other subjects as well, but we'll keep talking about testing. So somebody said to me last week, I was going to comment on what you were talking on Sunday there, but you went on to a different subject. Personally, I think it was an excuse. But anyway... Keep calling in about that's fine. Now it's probably fair to say the most drivers dislike speed traps, but how would you like to be with one holding the hairdryer? More about that in a moment. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin' the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. In the south of Edinburgh, they're trying to recruit volunteers to operate radar guns with a speed watch campaign to improve local road safety. The information they record is sent on to the police and a warning letter is sent out to those that are caught. Jack Cousins from the AA has been telling our senior reporter, Hope Webb, how it works.
11: Community Watch is, first and foremost, it's an educational scheme, not a, something of enforcement. And what it's meant to do is it's meant to help deter speeding drivers predominantly they're used in rural areas but actually more far more frequently now they're starting to come across into urban areas where speeding in a particular road or particular sort of area or neighborhood has sort of ramped up a bit but again it's an educational thing to try and reinforce that the speed limit is there for a reason and should be adhered to
0: As you can imagine, for some people looking at it, it might be quite bizarre, the idea of members of the community almost playing police officer. But you're saying it's it's not that. It's more educating people on what not to do.
11: Yes, so the volunteers are using equipment provided by the local police force and if there is somebody who is speeding then the vehicle information is handed over to the police and they then administer a warning letter advising the driver that they were caught speeding in a uh, community speed watch area. Now, if through this process of community speed watch that the police force sees from the data that actually there's quite a high volume of speeders, then the police could actually say, right, we probably need to set up our own camera there and do some enforcement-based speeding in that sense. But predominantly, it is an educational tool. You will see signs when you approach a community speed watch. You'll see them at the roadside with the speed gun. But again... (sighs) If there is a speed limit there, it's there for a reason. And that's just uh, the community speed watch is just an extra reinforcement element.
0: In other examples of this across the UK, I mean, what has the impact been? Has it made a significant difference?
11: Yes, there are uh, examples, certainly in rural areas where people have been speeding through villages. The creation of a community speed watch has actually helped reduce the problem. So, yes, there are benefits towards it. And again, drivers shouldn't be afraid of all this because ultimately, if you're doing the correct speed, you don't have a problem.
0: As you can imagine, many think that it's no substitute for a police officer. I mean, what would be your reaction to that?
11: And I think they have a point. Across the UK we have seen uh, the number of specialist traffic police officers reduce by a third over the last 10 years. And yes, we would like to see more cops in cars to catch speeders, but under the pressures that they are in terms of their budgets, they're going to have to resort to things like Community Speedwatch to essentially give a sort of uh, first glance in terms of speeding in particular areas. But ultimately, the Community Speedwatch, they're collecting a lot of data when they're doing this volunteering. And if a problem is there and it is persistent, then the police have the option and the opportunity to say, right, we've got some data that we've collected We should perhaps do some more enforcement in this particular area. So I think there's a benefit towards it, but it will never, ever replace the benefit of having a police officer doing the job properly and having that enforcement arm to it.
1: But not everyone is welcoming it. Scott Arthur is a local councillor in Collington, Fairmont Head, and told Hope about his concerns.
3: I put this together with a similar initiative, which was released a few weeks ago, where community groups could request a cardboard cutout policeman to stick at the side of the road to help encourage drivers to reduce their speed. Uh, so my, my feeling is that these things have a place and I would encourage people to engage with them to try to improve road safety. But really, they're no real substitute for the police having the resources they need to enforce you know speed restrictions as well as, well as other laws inside the city is quite unusual in that we give the police 2.6 million per year on top of the funding the Scottish Government give them to help them do their job in Edinburgh. And really I think as a starting point the Scottish Government should be funding the police Scotland properly uh, to keep the city safe for everyone that's here.
0: I mean you yourself have mentioned that the the issue of speeding and the dangers that brings is one that has been highlighted to you numerous times.
3: Yes, so, so in my ward I do have a number of arterial routes uh, and quite often these are routes where traffic is moving you know, through my ward without stopping. Uh, so it's not necessarily residents who are, are, are the problem. But these routes divide communities because often they're busy and traffic on them is speeding. So I do recognise, you know, near where I live in Buxton, for example, Buxton Terrace is one of the main routes from the bypass down through Morningside in the city centre. And it does feel sometimes that traffic on that road is going far too fast and quite frequently at parent council meetings and community meetings uh, that risk is raised by, by people living in the area and they're quite keen to have both the traffic speed limit enforced and I think possibly also reduced from 40 down to 30 just to try and help make it safer and also stop that road from dividing the community.
0: Now, I'm assuming you can imagine, you know, people reading this today and seeing this today would would look at it, you know, it, it does seem quite bizarre at first when you think of an idea of somebody in the community taking out a speed gun and kind of, you know, playing a policeman, really. So so you think that it, it is a good idea, but it doesn't substitute for a police officer?
3: No, absolutely not. I mean, my, my understanding is what will happen is people can request this equipment, they'll be trained. They would then use it and the equipment records the speeding vehicles and then the police would send a, a, a letter to the, the driver of the vehicle or the owner of the vehicle saying that they'd been detected speeding and suggesting that they review their speed. So there's no question of follow-up legal action, but there is that warning letter that goes out to drivers. Uh, you know, on a personal level, I have concerns about you know which, which parts of the community are most likely to uptake this and also about how it's perceived both by the wider community and also by drivers. I expect there's some drivers who will quite com- quite quickly become accustomed to it and pretty much ignore the people at the side of the road. But I do hope that it does have some impact.
1: So as we schedules. heard there, the schemes have already been tried out in Fife and other places around Scotland. Were you involved with them? And uh, have you come across one on the road? Would you get involved? Do you think they'll work or is it policing on the cheap we'll continue this conversation after the news
9: Scotland's talking
1: the podcast we've been talking in the last hour just in case you missed it we've been talking about national testing and uh, how that's been talked about in uh, the Scottish Parliament this week and we'll also we've also been talking just before the news there about uh, speedwatch. Um, Just let's catch up on a couple of comments on national testing, because if you've got a comment, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, David May. Morning, David. He says, in my view, national testing is a waste of time and money. The teachers have made this clear, and this has nothing to do with political opportunism. Why does John Swinney seem to think he knows better than the professionals? Thanks for that. Babs McEnroe says, I think these tests are good. Teachers need to know what level the children are at. Some kids can read and write when they start school. Others have no idea how to socialise. Give the teachers the tools to do the job they're paid to do. We need these assessments. Why are the teachers against them then, Babs? That's that's a question I'd throw back at you there. And also just before the news, we were talking about Speedwatch and um, this new uh, campaign that's uh, coming up and giving the chance for members of the community to get a hold of these Speedwatch guns. Uh, Schemes have already been tried out in Fife and other places around Scotland. I was asking if you were involved in them or indeed have you come across one on the road, would you get involved? Uh, Do you think they'll work or is policing, is this doing policing on the cheap? Uh, Michael Boyd joins me now from the Michael, good morning. Good morning, Hi. Right, so you've been, you are one of these volunteers. Tell us how it came about. Where where do you do it? Tell us a bit about it, Michael. Um, It came about um, because in 2004, I unfortunately witnessed
6: three pedestrians being killed by a speeding motorist in Glenrothes. And from there on, uh, you know, it had an effect on my life. So I decided to join the Speedwatch team as soon as it came online from Police Scotland about over a year ago now. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. So what were they asking you to do?
6: They're asking us to, just to be a, a, a monitor, monitoring of the uh, speed in the community. Mm-hmm. So police will ask us to monitor a certain road in the community. and We'll go along with our high-vis jackets, put signs out to alert the motorists at the end of the road, and we will monitor the speed with the speed gun. If we catch any speeding motorists or observe them, um on the gun we take down the details and they are issued with a kind letter to them asking them to reduce their speed in future.
1: Right. And and are you convinced this works, Michael?
6: I am absolutely convinced that this will work if it takes off. Um if the community groups um and the community councils, you know, feed the information into the police, then there will be um a, a need for it. And it will be a success. It's already a success here in Fife and Dunfermline. Mm-hmm. And, you know, any initiative that protects public safety uh, has to be welcomed by everyone.
1: Yeah. Uh, we were hearing earlier there from Jack Cousins from the AA. He was talking to our reporter, Hot Web, about how, how it works and, and saying these, uh, as you put them, kind letters um, going out to to those who have been speeding. I would imagine as well that if if the police see that they're putting a a kind letter out to the same person two or three times, then, then the, you know, this kind letter might just get a bit stricter. Is that right? Well, obviously, these letters are a are, are warning, you know, to, mm-hmm. to the motorist that there's that, been observed
6: speeding. And I can't comment on the content of the letter. Right. But uh, the, the, the letter goes out and if there's a, a pattern or the data shows... As the EE were saying, uh, you know, if, if they, there's a pattern of data coming from a specific area, then it allows police to go and, and, and do enforcement
1: action. Right, got you. Yeah, so if, if, if something's is a particularly a road that's attracting a lot of speeders, then they, they can see that and take action on it. How are you received by the drivers? What's their reaction to once they know that you're not the law? Well, more often than not, it's it's
6: appreciation. Um, Obviously, drivers, we we don't stop drivers, um, but um, in the main, drivers will will sometimes sometimes stop and speak to us. And we have pedestrians, of course, and cyclists and dog walkers and joggers, which they they all stop and speak to us and shake our hand and they think it's excellent. Mm -hmm.
1: So you don't ever get any stick from some motorists?
6: Occasionally, we we will get um, um, some feedback of that nature, but uh, ov- obviously we we have specific
1: uh, process for that. If if you're obviously not breaking the law, then you have nothing to worry about, Michael. Have you? Those, exactly. W- those if motorists, nothing, yeah. to, nothing to worry
6: about at all. If you're within the speed limit, um, set at a maximum of 20 or 30 or 40, then you have nothing to nothing to worry about at all.
1: Okay, so. If there is, if the Speedwatch campaign, um, as you say, takes off, which it already has in certain parts of the country, would you encourage members of the community to get involved?
6: Of course I would, yes. I mean, any initiative that protects public safety um, must be welcomed by, by everyone.
1: And do you do this in your own community or do you do it in other parts of the area?
6: I, I do this in my own community. Right, right. So,
1: so you're looking after the safety of of your neighbours, so to speak. the safety
6: of neighbours, children, you know, maybe relatives. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, so, yes, it's it's in my in,
1: in my local area yeah. Right, and it's obviously, as you said, right at the beginning, Michael. It's it's to you something because you you actually witnessed this horrendous incident. Then it's yes. something that you thought you you should try and do something about.
6: Of course, yes. I mean, there will be other people who have witnessed, you know, road traffic incidents um, involving speeding and it's, it's a way of putting something back into the, the community. Into the
1: community, right. Michael, thank you very much indeed for coming on and telling us your part in that. Um, most appreciated. Thank you very much indeed. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. So, do you, again, I'll pose the question, would you get involved? Uh, do you think it will work? Or is it just placing on the cheap? I know I've asked that a couple of times, but it's taking uh, some work away that the police should be doing, but they don't have the resources to do it all the time. So Michael comes in and his colleagues that do it and, and get involved with it. Would you do it? Uh, what do you think? What do you think about people like that who are doing it? Or oh, 3 2020, 401 is the number if you'd like to join us and, and give us your comment, um, Love to hear from you on that particular subject. Back on the phone lines, and it's Philip. Good morning to you.
12: Very good morning, Ali. How are
1: so, you doing? I'm all right, thank you. Are you on about speedsters, are you? Yeah, uh, it sounds
12: a very good scheme, Ali, and I personally uh, would be delighted to get involved in it. The problem is, in, um, in a sort of thing like that, you have to go in with clean hands, as it were, and I've been convicted of speeding in the past, albeit a long time ago. So if I was handling one of these speed guns, I'd feel like a hypocrite.
1: Yeah, but surely from your experience um, uh, with a conviction of, you know, for speeding, surely that shouldn't bar you from doing something in the community. And particularly in this, it shouldn't bar you. I wouldn't have thought your would experience Well,
9: there.
12: yeah, the, the problem is though, the conscience would be bothering me, you see?
1: Would you be frightened about what your friends and neighbours might say? He's a bit of a hypocrite. He's, he's been caught half a dozen times.
12: Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's exactly the same thing. You see, this is the sort of thing you would be debarring me. This is, this is the reason why you, uh, you don't sit on a jury. Mm. You've, got to be, you've got to be spotless, as it were.
1: Yeah, yeah, but then again, you see, I'm in the same position as you. You know, I can't say I've not been um, caught speeding, and I have, but um, where I live at the moment there are serial speeders, you know, continually the same cars heading in and yeah. out of the state that I live in, continually mm-hmm. speeding. Um, mm-hmm. And therefore, you know, I, I wouldn't have any problem in uh, sorting them out because, you know, if, even though it is, in the words of Michael, a kind letter from the police, something needs to be done before there is an accident. You know, somebody's... How would you feel, you know, if you knew that this this could be done you don't do anything, then there's an accident and somebody gets injured or worse, still killed. And you could have been doing something about it, Philip.
12: What about these serial offenders that have been fined and fined and fined and fined for speeding? They don't seem to pay a blind bit of notice. What, what is the effect, what the effectiveness of that if you're going to get the people that's it's just like a creep off the grass? line. If they don't see a need for the rule, they just ignore it then.
1: Mm, mm. I, I hear what you're saying. It's a difficult one but, and wrestle with your conscience, but, uh, it, you know, <laughs> I hear what you're saying, I hear what you're saying, Um but I'd still do it if I wanted to do it, yes.
12: So, so you've actually admitted, that, yeah, you've got a past as far as speeding, but that oh, would yeah. stop you from, from handing a speed gun. No, no, no,
1: absolutely, yes, yes, I've paid the fine, got the points, they're wiped off, so there we yeah. go. Move done on, the move done on done the swiftly. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't get to my age and not have a speeding <laughs> points. Thank you very much indeed, Philip. Alistair's in Stranraer. Hi, Alistair.
13: Hi there. Uh, I was trying to get involved in a speed watch system for South Ayrshire. Right. And uh, what it transpired there that none of your two interviewees there have mentioned is the local community have got to purchase the speed gun, which will be looked after in the police station and the police will calibrate it regularly. The local community have also got to purchase their own high-vis uh, jackets, etc., and they've also got to purchase the road signs that they've, they've got to put up so that motorists can see it. Now, that uh, was a downfall of our system because we could not get funding from the Scottish Government to do this. The police aren't willing to fund it, and neither was the Scottish Government.
1: So it didn't happen? It just didn't happen. I wasn't aware because, of that. Yeah, I wasn't aware right. that the communities would have to come up with the the funding themselves because that would put I would imagine quite a few communities off doing this.
13: Oh yes. And the speed gun itself it's and say oh a couple of thousand quid.
1: Right. So before so, you before you even get started, you gotta find the funding.
13: Yes. And these speed guns, as I say, you request the use of them from the police station. Once you've finished doing your stint, then the speed guns have got to be returned to the police station. So, to lead a great discussion on this, and it seems like hey, the police are getting more speed guns, which were purchased by the local communities.
1: Mm. I can see, I can see a problem there. Then you you know, that you're raising. I wasn't aware. That uh, in that camp in in the campaign, if if a community wanted to do it, then they had to fund it themselves. I, I think it is something that I probably agree with you, um, Alistair, that it should be funded centrally, shouldn't it? If if they want that done,
13: we would all have went ahead for this, but it was uh, because of the funding. We just we did try to raise some money locally, but uh, well, you can appreciate people are not willing to give money to something that could uh, cost them fines for
1: sweeting. Give money to something that may cost them money. Yes. Indeed. Alistair, thank you very much indeed for making that point. Thank you. Keep your calls coming in. O' 2020 401 is the number. You can text a comment to 61054. Start your message with Ali. And on email, it's ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk. Twitter, hashtag Scotland's token. Dozens of banks have been closing across Scotland in recent months. So, how have you been coping without them? That's the question coming next. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin. Dozens of banks have been closing across Scotland in recent months. So, how have you been coping without them? There's a report which has come out in the last few days looking at the impact that it's had on our communities. Now, we all know that this has been going on for a long time, but did you realise that a third of Scotland's branches have closed in the last eight years? And now it's not just the banks which are disappearing. Because of higher charges, there are 250 free-to-use cash machines disappearing in the UK every month. 250 disappearing every month. Is it affecting you? Age Scotland has been looking into the consequences for customers and local businesses. And joining me now is Adam Shricarach, who is Head of Policy and Communications for Age Scotland. Adam, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Ali. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Yes, that's a heck of a figure, isn't it? 250 cash line machines just disappearing.
7: You know, it is absolutely staggering. Um, I mean, I think you'll be used to seeing banks of these free-to-use cash machines in high streets across the country, but you're also used to seeing in smaller shops these um, Mm fee-paying machines. The difficulty now as we see it, and what older people tell us, is that for those older people in Scotland who still like to use cash as a means of budgeting, they might feel that the only place they can do that is at fee-paying machines, which can charge up to 30% to take out their own money. So the impact that the, kind of the removal of free-to-use cash machines is having on Scotland is profound.
1: I must admit, um, I don't know whether it's the Pfeiffer in me, Adam, that makes me avoid these uh, cash time, if I drop to one or go to near one that says it 's going to charge me one pound fifty or whatever, I walk away um, and I, and I would imagine i 'm not alone
7: no I look you honest, I do the same or uh, try and take out mm. more cash than I might need uh, to try and make the the percentage smaller, but for a lot of older people that 's not really an option mm-hmm. um, you know they might not have an access to a car or the nearest machine is you know beyond that is a couple of miles away. And it might be two bus, buses to get there. So the impact is not just on they can just drop everything and walk to the next one. It's, that's the only option. And actually, increasingly across rural Scotland, the only options you have can be these fee-paying cash machines in a cash uh, a cash society, in a kind of a highland economy.
1: As you were saying there, you know, there there are many... Um, people I would imagine, well, I won't imagine because I actually was watching this happening uh, just last week, um, people who would come under, under that elderly bracket, if you like, um, going into a bank and still bringing out the passbook. Um, and that's the way they like to do business. That's the way they understand. And I was I was watching this. There was four people in front of me in this bank which was a main city centre bank Mm -hmm. and the four people in front of me all used their passbooks and I did think to myself what is going to happen when this branch goes because it probably will
7: well look we know so we've spoken to loads of older people in Scotland and we ran a quite a substantial focus group town hall event back in March with the chief economist of the Bank of England and older people in Scotland to find out you know how do they access banking what works for them And what do they feel are the kind of threats to the way they budget and bank? And it was incredible the number of people that said that they really value and prefer this face-to-face in-bank branch uh, banking, not least because they can have a real conversation with someone, but because they like to see and have a physical record of their transactions. Uh, They have the passbooks. They can see something that is real um, rather than having to go online, um, which they may not be able to access at all. Uh, to just prove that their money is still there, mm-hmm. and it is, you know, and look, we know that what's it, it, almost two thirds of over 75 don't use the internet at all, right. and you know, 42% or four in ten of people over 55 to 64 don't use internet or digital banking. So this is a big issue. If branches close, and it's not just about this is progress. This is the way the future is going. If you leave the most needy and vulnerable behind, it's not progress at all. And we've heard of examples, especially with the Royal Bank of Scotland looking at branch closures. That they class a regular visitor to a branch of somebody who makes 24 unique visits in 26 weeks. That's unreasonably high, even even for those people they uh, class as a reasonable class as a reasonable kind of or a regular visitor. And I think that they really need to, to take stock of this and work out who are their services for, and it's not just for those people like me that might have an app on a phone in my pocket. Mm-hmm.
1: So, are the banks paying any attention to what you're saying?
7: They keep saying, like, to, the, to, to the credit, they kind of admit that there are lots of people who still use it, but they do say that um, the, the footfall is dropping. and As I've as described, they kind of believe, and older people definitely believe, that this is an unreasonable measure. But what they're not really looking at is what happens to all these people when their bank goes. This kind of massive push to digital banking is great for lots of people. And there is definitely, that is the reason why there are less people at times in branches. But you go into lots of bank branches. You said this yourself, you're in there, there's four people ahead of you using their passbooks. That's I'll be a busy branch. It'll take you a bit of time to get your business seen to. So the banks really need to kind of think about how they're better serving their customers and older customers. And one of the the examples that has been raised, and it was raised in the Scottish Parliament this week, something we've been pushing for for a while is the idea of shared banking hubs, which where there is no bank left in town, that some banks will get together and offer services, even basic services, under one roof so people can still access their money in the way that they feel comfortable with.
1: Mm, I have to say, I, I use the bank... Not on the internet because it fails so many times and I get frustrated <laughs> with it. But um, I have found certainly in the last six months that my visits to the bank, which I do regularly on the business side, which would take me 10 minutes, now I'm in the bank on average 20, 25 minutes. And how I know that, How I'm, I'm not timing it, but how I know that is that I'm putting money in the parking meter outside. I'm now making sure that I put it in... For a longer period, because the banks seem to be cutting back on tellers clo- my bank closes now at lunchtime great yep. idea, great idea let 's <laughs> cut a teller, close one of the positions. oh by the way, we 'll close at lunchtime as well, which means all day there are queues. It would seem not just for the elderly but for the public in general, the banks don't be, seem to be putting the public first.
7: I think you make a very good point, and I think personal experiences of how people use banking um, tell the tell the real story, as opposed to perhaps banks having uh, fact, uh, sort of figures and uh, an outputs based on uh, these unreasonable statistics. It, uh, you know, if they're cutting tellers and they're cutting uh, um, the sort of opening times of banks, it is make, becoming more and more difficult to bank in person. Therefore, people feel they might be pushed hmm. pushed online. Or, to use other services, I think they've described they might use the post office in places, but you know it 's quite difficult to do kind of banking when there's someone behind you with a basket full of shopping um, or that they're trying to use mobile branches um across Scotland where you know on occasion that the stop is five minutes every second Tuesday. now these are all decent solutions to branch closures, but they 're not the the real answer. I think there's a demand for branches. I think that banks need to think about how they better serve their customers particularly in our view older people who really rely on this
1: and i would presume that age scotland will continue um with your your focus groups and with putting pressure on the banks to consider what they're doing
7: no absolutely i think we so we hear stories of people's experience with banks every single day we are asking older people across scotland um, every week, about this, we are compiling uh, information for various reports and have been um, speaking to politicians. And will be taking our, our suggestions to the banks. Say, this is what you can do. It was very interesting. The Minister, uh, Kate Forbes, in this, uh, the banking debate in the Scottish Parliament last week, acknowledged that um, you know things like shared branches should be explored, but suggested that you know, the banks just aren't willing to do anything about it because it's not in their financial interest. Well. If we can collectively make it a consumer interest, they may take more notice.
1: Indeed, Adam, thank you very much indeed no for joining us on the programme today. Adam strakara who's the Head of Policy and Communication at Age Scotland. If you have a comment, review, how is it affecting you? Whether you come under that elderly bracket or not, is the bank uh, are the bank closures affecting you? Give us a call, 0333 2020 401. And now, on Scotland's Talk In, time for any other business. Anything you want to talk about, let's say I've been busy today, still quite a lot of comments on social media, Facebook and text coming in, so we'll get to them in a few moments. But as always, if you've got something you want to talk about, 0333 2020 401. We've talked about uh, primary one school testing. We've talked about speed guns. George, you want to comment on that? Good morning. Good morning.
14: Yes. I think it's pretty futile in actual fact. When you consider the fact that you have cameras on the side of the road which has a warning sign, so everybody slows down for the warning sign once they're through the speed camera they speed up again.
1: Yeah, but if that... uh, Hang on. If that was the case, George, nobody would be getting fined. And they're they're raking in thousands of pounds on these speed cameras. Yes, yes, because a lot of them don't see the sign. Yeah, well, that's what's all about. Yeah, if you have a a small
14: village or the likes and they have somebody inside with a speed camera and a sign at the end of the village or wherever with a sign saying speed camera, they're going to slow down. And I think it's madness. They shouldn't have a sign at the end. at the camera in the middle of the village and catch them and do them and that's the end of it. I think it's madness. There's a village just close to me just now, they've got a slow sign in it and nobody slows down going through it. They batter through it, out of hell. I can't understand why even the police know about it and they've done nothing about it. There's people in that village that I know for a fact have complained about it to the police, and they do nothing about it. So, what can be done? I, I think. think I can- think.
1: Yeah, I think just one of the things that, that might need pointed out here: when you talk about these speed camera vans, you've got to remember they're called safety camera vans, and the idea is that it helps the road safety. They would tell you they're not there necessarily to catch people. Yeah, right. But they are called safety camera vans, yeah, and, yeah. and you know, if it slows traffic down, if people look up the road and see one sitting, and it does slow you down going through that area, then it could be argued, George, that they're doing their job.
14: You would say to a point, yes, but in the same hand, once you get by this camera,
1: they're
14: ready to go again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, you, down. yeah. It just didn't bother. I, I, I see it quite regular on the main road, quite close to me. There is a, 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 a camera on the, on the main road, and they slow down before it. The minute they're out past the, the markings, they switch down again on their offskate.
1: away they go. I know. Yeah. Aye. Yeah.
14: So it's only just for that short period of time to do it. And even then, they've got a warning in the site in, the, in the, all these villages, 30 miles an hour or 20 miles an hour, whatever it may be. Do they care about that? And that is a warning, isn't it?
1: That's true. That's true. And do you think then that these warning signs should be taken down?
14: Yes. I think once they get caught, they're caught. I don't think they should
1: be warned beforehand. Okay, George, thank you very much indeed. It's all about opinions. That's George, as far as these speed cameras are concerned. Here's a question I also wanted to ask you. Is the price of wind energy too high for scotland's reputation as one of the most beautiful countries in the world a wind farm which is under construction in moray has been cited as the reason Cabrach is set to lose its status as a special landscape area of outstanding value claire favor is a local councillor who was against it getting planning permission in the first place and told our Inverness reporter Isla Todd, the countryside is being trashed.
4: A lot of our landscape has been compromised by, um, especially uh, wind turbines, um, which has meant that the designation that once areas had, no longer can be designated as outstanding landscape value. The loss of this special landscape status is upsetting, but what sort of effect are you seeing these turbines directly have on the area? One of the things that tourists will say is that they like to come to Scotland for our wild land. They like the fact that we aren't a hugely developed area. That's why they come. And I think we have to bear in mind that for Murray, tourism is a growing um, business, and we need to make sure that we hang on to that. Were objections to the wind farm development raised when plans were first announced? The local people have known what the benefits of our outstanding landscapes and areas have been and have wanted to preserve them. But unfortunately, with regard to turbines, the Scottish Government have totally overruled us. And I think there is a time when you have to say, no, please stop.
0: The report proves the damage has been done in terms of the quality of the landscape, but can it help in the long run?
4: What it is, is designating areas and saying, really, we must try and keep these as as places where development is looked at very, very carefully. I suppose my biggest fear is that the areas that have already been destroyed, maybe developers that go, well, it's already destroyed, we'll come back and do more.
0: But you're not anti-wind farm. You're more just arguing about protecting local landscapes and the tourism economy. We appreciate,
4: most of us appreciate um, the importance of understanding climate change and the importance of biodiversity. But, um, you know, there is a time when, in actual fact, too much development will have a really negative effect on that.
1: So there we are. And, and, you know, you think about all the the wind farms and then the storms that I got the blame for this week. Storm Alley, everybody seemed to be blaming That's a heck of a mess you've made. So uh, there we are. Thank you, Isla, for reporting on that one from Murray Wright. Uh, Saul joins me. How Hello. are
11: you? Yes, I'm good. How are you? Good, doing?
1: good. I'm okay. Okay, right. Um, just a few comments to wind up. Uh, here's one from Alan McClellan. He says, uh, I'm of the view, Ali, that it's a waste of time voting against anything, as the SNP don't worry about the, in- the outcome. Uh, if they lose, they'll still push on and ig- ignore the result, as happened with no voters winning. OK, thanks for that What have you got, so?
11: One in from Hamish on banks Ridiculous Two buses to get to a branch And no, not everyone wants to do online banking The public didn't bail them out For them to close most of their branches A lot of people don't have internet in their homes Which is a, a really good point, I think
1: It is um, Peter, thank you very much indeed for getting in touch Hope you're well He says um, My understanding that primary one was not about tests But was about monitoring these children in their first year To see how they adjust to a new environment And to know Note any issue that the child may display. This would allow early intervention if needed and could benefit the child going forward. One from Willie. Uh, Willie says, if any parent or grandparent can believe the tests these children are being given are a help and not a complete waste of teacher's time, they should be ashamed of themselves. My grandkids, like many others... Could tell the difference between a bird and an elephant when they were two or three years old. This all seems a government ploy to raise the attainment using Mickey Mouse tactics. Uh, Andrea says, Alison is quite right. The way things are today, I think these assessments are necessary for child's development and there's another one from Louise here that says uh, Alison was spot on with what she said about parents paying more attention to their phones than the kids I see it all the time at work I saw a woman pushing a buggy with her nose so deep in her phone she almost rammed the Wayne's buggy into the boss's van
11: You've noticed that so many times as well, yeah. You got any more? Yeah, one and more from Yeti. They closed my branch, cut the next branch's opening hours, and despite claims otherwise, I can't pay in at the post office, and they changed all the rules so other people can't pay into the account as well, so I have to go in person. And there's nothing more annoying, Ali, than having to jump about banks when they close. I see, right, okay. Um, It does make you think, actually, do you change
1: banks? I've been thinking about it for a little while, now. do I change banks? But it's just a hassle that it causes to change Mm -hmm. and and is the next one any better than the one that I'm with? Must be. Uh, Here's one that says, I'm concerned at the removal of free-to-use cash machines in Scotland, particularly in rural areas. I'm also concerned that some shops, if you pay by card, are also recently saying that they will not give cash back. We're all individuals and we need various ways to interact with banks as it's our money and they have a need. And the needs of the public should come first. With various internet security breaches, it's no wonder people don't trust online services. Kath, thank you for your rant. And the final one comes from Charlie. Charlie says, with all the banks closing, does that mean no more bank holidays? He does have a point. He does there. Indeed. Indeed. Thank you so